Hey, welcome to another episode of Hard to Guard TV. I'm Edgar Burgos, and today I have a special friend. Uh, I like to call him a brother sometimes. <laughs> I know I drive him crazy. He drives me crazy, but I love this guy to death, Thanasis Petrakis. What up, Thanasis? What's up, my guy, Ed? The feeling is mutual, man. I love you like a brother for sure. We've known each other at this point for, I think, 18 years, man. So I've known you a long time at this point. Yeah, the NAS is now is a founder of Fresh Focus Sports. Um, and, but we meet me and the NAS go way back. We started when he was uh we, we met when he was an intern at the NBA. And uh it's my mentor right there. I want to talk about, you know, first, how did you get a job at the NBA as an intern? It's actually a funny story, man. My sister, she was working as like a secretary, like an executive assistant for a company. That was like a travel agency. So it really had nothing to do with sports. Um, and I needed to take a an internship for my college major. I was a dual major. I was going to go either education or communication. So for the communications major, I needed an internship. So I was like, let me get one in sports. That just makes sense. That's what I love to do. Um, and I had a background in video production slightly from editing in high school, like highlight tapes and stuff like that of myself, of friends. I'd had a background in it, but I, I wouldn't say I was into it yet. Um, and I, I reached out to my sister because she was the only person that I knew kind of in the working world. And her boss had a connection. I was trying to actually get an internship at Madison Square Garden because I thought they had a connection there and he couldn't. And he was like, I could get you an interview at the NBA. I was like, oh, well, that's even better, you know? <laughs> So I got an interview, um, did well, you know, latched on. And then once I saw that was like a possibility, like for, to be honest, I did not know that job existed. Like I, I, it's kind of a little naive even being in college, going to whatever, but you know how it is in like 2003, the information, you're not seeing other jobs. Like unless someone in your life has a job, you didn't really know about it as much. There was no Instagram or social media. So once I saw that that was a job that you could work in sports and be a producer and editor, um, I was like all in. I stayed in touch with them. I came back to NBA TV and worked as an editor during my senior year because I never let them. I would just email everybody, saw all those guys. I would just email nonstop, like annoying, you know, and they were like, all right, you could come back and edit during winter break because I didn't want to lose that connection because I'm telling you, I didn't really realize that was like a job. So once I saw that was a job, I was like, I'm not leaving that. And I interned with you the whole time. And like I said, you were my mentor. That's not like just blowing gas. That was for real. It was like, I didn't have much in, I didn't have much experience. Um, but basically you were heading up that show for NBA TV that was going to Rucker every week on NBA TV. And I would just be your PA and I didn't have many assignments. I know you would just be like, hold this tape. And I was just kind of chilling at Rucker. So that was an amazing experience. But really, that's how I got involved. And then once I saw that, it was just like, all right, that's that's that I knew exactly. I stopped. I literally stopped uh, my major of being an education major and uh, just went full steam ahead into that. Knew that's what I wanted to do. And uh, from, yeah, I never looked back. I went to the NBA. I, I started as a logger there after I got out of college. A logger is basically just looking at games and, um, you know, you're setting ins and out points for editors so that they know that a LeBron James has this nasty dunk in the third quarter and you write a description. So it gets archived. People use it in the moment and all that stuff. It's kind of like an entry level position. 
And uh, I stayed there for almost 14 years. And I, then, have, uh, I do and have a question. So when you became a logger, how did um, so how did you be, get into our department at NBA TV? How did that come about? Because every single logger, nobody wanted to go to NBA TV. Everybody wanted to go to NBA E, which was the smarter route. But I interned with you guys. I was like, dude, I'm going to NBA TV. Those are my guys over there. Well, we worked the night shift. Nobody and I worked the night shift for the next six years. So it might not have been the smartest move because everyone else was working nine to five. But I'll tell you what it did do. You got thrown into the fire over there. There was no training wheels. It was like, dude, you're editing the Houston, you know, Golden State game. I need a minute 30, whatever. And you'd be like, dude, I don't know how to edit. I just started here. And you're like, well, I need a minute 30, you know? And like, that's really how we got in. So like, you had to just like perform right away. There was no, you weren't at an entry level job anymore on NBA TV. This is like when NBA TV was for everyone to know in Secaucus, not where it is now down in Turner. Um, that's where me and Ed worked together for like probably a decade. Yeah. And then during that time, you know, you and I, um, we became close. And uh, during those Rucker days, uh, can you just talk to how me and you just sat down uh, when I was doing summer ball and we just came to a conclusion that we should do a Rucker Park documentary on the Jay-Z Fat Joe season? Yeah, honestly, the way I remember it is we were driving to my house in Jersey um, and you were explaining it to me. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It was like five-year anniversary coming up. Um, and I remember you being like explaining it, and then you were like, and I think the title's going to be called The Blackout. And I was like, yo, I think I was like blown away by that. I was like, yo, I'm so in. I was like, that's fire. But there was a lot of hurdles, though. It was like you had a great idea. But we had a lot of hurdles because footage, we didn't own any of the footage. So we had to start tracking stuff down. So like the idea, though, that's how I remembered. It was definitely your idea. And then we had to sell it to everybody else to get all parties on board. Um, but the blackout to this day is probably still the best story I've ever told. It's un I look at it as a slightly unfortunate that I was so early in my production skills to have such a dope project in front of me like with also, also the fact that we were before social media because yeah we, the it was 2008 media. so youtube was just around but it wasn't popping like that and instagram was 2012 yeah 11. there was no instagram there was definitely no instagram and maybe twitter but twitter was no video or anything like that it was strictly just like tweets um but yeah that project was so dope um recently just on our channel you know shout out Fresh Focus Sports, um, humble brag right there. But we just hit, you know, that that video has gone viral many times over. Now on our channel, it has over a million hits. On your channel, it has close to a million hits. When it first got released on World Star Hip Hop in 2009, it got like two, three million hits. So millions and millions of people have seen that that doc. Um, and it's still, it still holds up. I mean, we've talked about obviously doing stuff similar to it, revamped projects, but it's still an amazing story. It's like if you're not from New York to realize that A-listers, especially now, these people are still A-listers to this day in pop culture. We're showing up at 155th Street on like a Wednesday night and it was, you know, better than being on a Broadway 
down in Broadway, there was more excitement there. Like that was one of the livest summers. It was surreal. For me, it was surreal. Like I'm a white dude from the suburbs. So that was surreal for me. So, you know, after you do that doc, um, one thing I started to notice is you became obsessed more with, um, you know, creating content. And uh, obviously you working at the league and uh, the league moving when obviously NBA TV, we went, you know, we separated ways. They moved to Atlanta. Um, you continue to stay on at NBA in Jersey, um, still building content. When did you know that, you know what, I'm going to start doing my own thing? Once we did the blackout, I mean, you know, we could, I could have done it a lot smarter in building my side brand, but I've always kind of just been very conservative in how I've approached it. But for the, for really what it's been is just an outlet to do passion projects. And it's really like you're doing passion projects, but it's also like a training ground. And that's always what it was like since the blackout. Like literally, if you watch the blackout right now, that Fat Joe interview is the first thing ever shot with a camera. I think me and Booch bought it together, Carbooch, Rob Carbooch. So shout out Rob Carbooch because we did that whole thing together back in the day. He taught me a ton about cameras. But we bought a camera, I think together, it was a Canon XHA1. And we didn't even know. We just turned it on. You set up the thing. You were like, Facho is going to be here. He was at Mousy's Park at 145th Street. We rolled right up to Facho. And then I didn't appreciate how amazing it was. But now that I've been in the business for 15, 16, 17 years, how hard it is to schedule an interview, especially with someone of his caliber for 45 minutes to sit down with us is just crazy. He sat down with us in a park at 145th Street as like the sun was going down and we barely were learning how to use the camera. And we just like did like an interview, like we're zooming in on the interview, like crazy stuff I would never do now. Like, you know, like he's saying something, we're like zooming in, just like we didn't even know what we were doing, dude. It was just, it was so dope. I remember, it's funny, like it was like a blue DV tape. Like there was no digital, like it was all on tapes. And I remember I came home to my roommates. I was like, yo, I could sell this to like a hip hop station or something for like 10 G's right now. Cause Joe was talking crazy. It was at the time when you look back and you know that nothing happened, it's not as crazy, but like in the moment it was crazy. Joe was talking like crazy on that interview. So it was like, yo, we got gold. We got him saying Jay's got a silver spoon in his mouth. Like it was funny things, bro. Like, you know, there's still classic lines. So um yeah that was awesome and and that's and that's really what fresh focus sports has always been is like you do a project you're doing a passion project so you're usually helping someone that you like right maybe blackout wasn't that but a lot of docs that i've done is like that like you know a boxer that i know or something like that so you're giving them promotion but also you're working on your skills for when you get into the field and someone's like hiring you like a client you've already put yourself in that position. And that's huge for anyone that's listening that's like gonna be into production because there's no substitute for experience and being in a situation, especially if you're gonna shoot documentary stuff. There's no substitute for it. Because well, you just gotta you just gotta put yourself in situations that, so you could always react, I don't know. It's just, you know, you're never gonna know until you're in that moment. And now that I've been shooting, I'm still learning every time I do a shoot. 
So, you know, so now, you you know, you're getting your skills up. Um, when did you decide, you know, one of the things that you did is you took a leap of faith and uh, you decided to, you know, not become an employee at the NBA. You decided to leave and pretty much become a free, a total, a full freelancer and with your own company. Um, yeah, it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't that big of a uh, uh, when you say it like that, it is, but it really wasn't that big of a move. It was just like I had an opportunity in my personal life to move on for the first time in a while, and I had built up clients along the way when I was at the NBA. So when I left, it wasn't just like I was leaving like you know, this full-time job. Like when I went out West, I still had the UFC as a client who's why, why I'm sitting in this room right now. I'm here for a UFC fight this week, filming with them. So I had them as a client. I had Hawk Films as a client. I had the Lakers for, they did a documentary show called Backstage Lakers. So it was just the fact that I over fit like a 14 year career at that point, I had built up enough contacts where I was like, all right, I could safely do this. So it was a risk, but it's not like a risk where some people are like, I'm going to LA with 10 bucks in my pocket and I got to make it work. Like I had legit clients when I went out to LA, but it was still a risk nonetheless, but it's worked out and it's been good. And it's honestly only made me got better and better and better and better because no matter who you're working with, if you're just working with one person, you get used to doing the way they do production. When you start to work with like a ton of other clients, you almost become this like cover band that that plays in like a bar. Like they could play Sublime or they could do like a Snoop Dogg cover. You know what I mean? It's like they got crazy skills because that's what they're they're asked to do on a nightly basis is just keep on playing things. And when you're getting hired by different clients, it's this it's kind of similar. They all have different styles of how they film. So you you have to tap into certain things and have to learn how to do things which only makes your adds to your repertoire, I guess. And so when, um, why did you name your company Fresh Focus Sports? True story. Um, my buddy, Matt Levine, a good friend from college, who's really good entrepreneur, had places in the city. Um, I needed a production company when I first got out of college just to like start doing like tax stuff to like an LLC, like if I buy a computer. And he came up with the name. That's honestly the story. I was like, "Ooh, I like that." And and then he had a, a really talented kid that created the logo, and that became my production company. And then you know how Fresh Focus Sports became is around 2016. We were all thinking about doing this. It just never we never really made it work, and we just kept that name because we had built up the brand through like the blackout, through like other projects. So it just made sense to just make the moniker. Fresh Focus Sports, because we've already branded it for at that point for like six years doing projects, whether like, you know, one time in 2014, we did a project with Jay Hernandez, who's an NBA coach, where he had draft picks and Kemba Walker was in it and Tobiah Harris. And that was branded under Fresh Focus Production. So it was like, just keep that name. We've already put brands under it. You might as well keep it. Um, But it's been a long play, man. We're not doing like, you know. We're not doing highlights and crossover videos and making kids look like fools to grab followers. Like we're doing story driven content. So it's a long play, but it's catered to what our skills are. And I say we, because I do fresh focus sports with Anthony Kazwanza, um, one of my best friends. And you know, Anthony for, you know, 15 years as well now. And he has, you know, the same background as me. 
um, in terms of the NBA and he's worked with UFC. He's done boxing with Mayweather. Like, you know, his credentials are legit too in documentary filmmaking. So we've kind of put our stuff together and he's in New Jersey. I'm in LA. So it kind of works. We could like cover the country essentially on a very efficient way with content. And, um, you know, we're starting to see consistent growth. It's not huge, but on our YouTube channel, like, our analytics are looking good. Take that thought on YouTube. We're gonna get to that. What's that? We're gonna get to the. We're gonna get to YouTube in a second. Okay. Yeah. So now, so one of the things that definitely, you know, why, um, you know, when you look at like uh, Baller's Life, you look at what Slam is doing. You know, uh, pushing high school, and uh you know, highlight content and you are specifically specifically doing stories. Why stories? And what makes you think that uh, down the road stories is going to be it and that's what's going to help Fresh Focus get to the next level? I don't think that story, well, I'll put it like this. It's pretty simple about stories. That's what interests me. You know, I'm a big believer and you got to follow what your passion is. Like I'd be doing this if I didn't have a brand, Fresh Focus Sports. Like if I met someone and they were like, dude, I'm a boxer. I got a fight coming up. I'd be like, oh, I want to come to your training camp. Like that's just how I like to experience sports is with my camera. I'm a sports junkie and I love filming. So I'm going to be doing that no matter what. And I like to tell stories because I don't know, it just fulfills a lot in me. Like, you know, the telling us, telling someone's story is, is kind of like a puzzle when you get it in the edit which is very cool to me. And then, um, you know, you're kind of doing a good thing if you're telling the right stories and stories are powerful. So like the overall thing is like, if you could build it to a platform where people are coming to and it's a destination, there's a lot of leverage in that, you know, brands want to be a part of that. Like that's the long play is get to the point where we're a destination. Like, you know, you're the high school team, you're knocking down our door to do your show rather than us hitting you up on a DM. You know what I mean? Like we, and we're getting there. Like, within the local markets that we are in, when we do content with a team, it automatically makes a splash and it makes a difference because no one's really doing that high end of content. I mean, you know, not to gas up where we're coming from, but we're, these are two, we're both guys that have produced and edited 30 for 30s, you know, um, theatrical releases, like big time stuff that we've worked on in, in a lot of capacities, whether it's editing, producing, filming. So to be honest, it's really a lot of, we're, we're bringing a lot of value to these schools when we show up and, and produce a story on them. Like you would normally have to pay someone a lot of money or just like hopefully that sports illustrated is interested or something like that. We're bringing pretty high end storytelling content. So we're branding ourselves rather quickly once we do film with someone. Um, but stories are what interests me, man. Like that's what I watch. Like I watch real life stories. I don't watch like sci-fi. Like I'm not going to watch star Wars. I'd watch a documentary again before I watch Star Wars. Like I would watch Sebastian Telfair's Through the Fire before I watched a Star Wars. That's just what interests me, like real life stories. That's real. Um, so I was gonna say, so, you know, you've done- and, and just real quick, like, just just real quick, like this is a perfect example. Like 
it's no it's no secret we've done a little content with book but we're and book richardson and we plan on doing more with him but that's a perfect example is like we've grown a small platform and now there's somebody where maybe a lot of people don't want to tell his story we're in a position where we're capable of doing it if no one wants to give us money or someone wants to give us a lot of money like we're capable of doing it because we're two guys that could film the whole thing we could produce the whole thing and we could get his story told and his story is an important story that maybe a lot of people aren't knocking down his door to tell but i think it should be told and um that's just kind of a perfect example of like you could do good things through having a platform yeah the right way it, i think it only helps everybody i definitely wanted to um jump on that like right before you mentioned book like you know you've done a story on book and his story is incredible and you know anthony did that by the way to give credit yeah that was so him coming back from you know him fighting adversity and coming back. Can you just talk about like the relationships that you have gathered and, you know, guys, these young guys and a guy like coach book and they see that you're doing good and you're telling a good story. Can you talk about that relationship? His specifically or just kind of when his and some of the athletes that you get, some of the young, you know, I, my relationship with him is, has, has grown quick because I filmed with him over the last couple of months. But really, it's been Anthony that's kind of been and our friend Dara um, that's connected us all together. Dara was really the catalyst of that. Um, and and we were pretty good friends with Dara. So he he got us connected with book and we just took that leap of faith to start doing production with him to tell his story. And real quick, for people that don't know, he was one of the people that was caught up in the college basketball scandal scandal um, like three or four years ago but it's really unfortunate situation um, of what happened to him. And it was unfair in a lot of ways. And um, yeah, we're, we're, we're looking to tell that story for him and also just how good of a redeeming thing that's happening with him. Now he's back at the Gauchos working with the top eighth graders in New York city. So like, you know, he, he lost that life that he had of being on top of the division one basketball, but he's right back kind of what gave him his opportunity in Gauchos. And if you don't know Gauchos, that's like the premier team in New York. So these kids are getting 30 years worth of high NCA basketball knowledge to them at 13. So he's giving back. He's still positive and doing the most he can with the opportunities that he has. So we're going to help him tell that story. Um, and that's just like a perfect example. Yeah, and you obviously grow relationships with them and you want to make the story better because of that. So, yeah. And some of the high school, top high school kids that you worked out personally in LA. What's that? And some of the top high school kids that you personally worked out in LA that you filmed. That I've like seen just work out? That you filmed, that you filmed. Films. Well, I mean, we just did a documentary on Peyton Watson, who's, I mean, on his team, Long Beach Poly, but Peyton Watson is ridiculous crazy work ethic great great kid um but his whole skill package is there man he could do it all i i think his sky's the limit so um just going off of guys that we did series with you know peyton is is is, is really really impressive because just you know his skills are there because he was like a six four guard when he was a sophomore now he's getting close to like six nine so he's just like really really tough <clears throat> and then last year we did 10 episodes with uh dominic harris who's now at gonzaga 
Um, so that kid's work ethic and he's a beast on the court, a humble beast, very quiet, but a killer. And, um, when he gets his opportunity, he's gonna, he, he's gonna show people how good he is. It might not be till next year just cause Gonzaga's stacked, but, um, yeah, he's, those are the two guys that come to mind just because I saw them the most too. Um, obviously, Dom's teammate was Evan Mobley, who's projected right now to be like a top three pick in the NBA draft. So he's super impressive, maybe even more impressive on the defensive end. He's he's going to be a big time NBA player. So now, you know, you started pushing content on YouTube and um, you've been able to, you know, surpass 10,000 subscribers. Can you tell people how hard <laughs> that is to do? <laughs> It's hard, man, because like if you just think about it, people that even want to support you, they might not have a YouTube channel. So like they can't subscribe. So like even if they watch every one of your videos, they're not subscribed. So it's hard. And then also like, you know, we're doing this not on the side, but kind of like a little bit on the side. This isn't my main focus. Like right here, I'm going to be in Vegas for the next eight days for the UFC. So fresh focus is not going to be a priority. The only reason I could really do this is because I'm in quarantine. I just tested for like the 150th time since March. Um, so, you know, like, you know, life gets in the way and this becomes kind of not always a priority. So it's tough. It's tough to grow. Um, if you go all in, it's probably going to be a little easier, but right now we're at like 12,000, 12,500. And we're like, consistently growing so it starts to encourage you when you see that for sure um you know that's true when people say that you know positive feedback or anything like that that is whatever but when you start to see those numbers and watch time go up um it it, it really helps um so it, it's starting to you know the blackout honestly is a big help because it's a star powered doc so it brings you to our channel you know um you know, that doc has Fat Joe, LeBron, Beyonce, Jay-Z, like people are interested in Kobe, rest in peace, um, you know, tons of NBA players. So, you know, it, it's 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 pretty uh, it's pretty tough to get people on your channel. But when you do and you start to actually have success, it seems like YouTube starts to put you in front of other people's channel. And that's what we've started to see as we've become a little bit more legitimate, meaning like 10,000. It seems like YouTube's a little more willing to suggest our channel to other viewers. Yeah. So now, you know, usually, you know, you get 10, 12,000 subscribers, which equivalates to, you know, usually monthly 100,000 viewers, hopefully a month. I would have to check, but um, I got to check, but it's like, it, it all it really all depends on what's getting circulated through that algorithm meaning like sometimes the blackout goes through and if it's hot like you know that could be a better month than other times but i, I honestly don't know the number so I, I would probably just be lying to you if i told you what it was but last year we did i think like over like close to like three million views um throughout all of our videos so now you know um what's the future for fresh focus looking like um, mm -hmm. as well as building more content. And also, can you talk about like, like one thing that me and you that's always talked about, like you've, you've put out, you put out great work is like, 
getting getting it sponsor driven. Yeah. And we talk about the difficulties on that and how do how do you get seen and stuff like that? Because we me and you have been in a battle over years over that. Yeah, you know, with the more and more I see though, I think it's just really hard to get sponsors. Like it's and I don't know necessarily that that should be the goal. If you could build up your own base, a perfect example of someone that I always view, and if you're a creator, you should check out his uh, channel. It's called uh, Anatomy of a Fighter, and his name's Will Harris. He does like MMA content. I know him from, he's following UFC guys, and he'll be like with the fighters, and I'll be there representing the league. Um, so we've just like shot side by side pretty much all over the world because he's followed Habib. Give me one second. Someone's coming to my door. I got to drop off a card. Sorry about that, Ed. Yeah. Was, uh, I shot a scene with a fighter this morning, and I had to just drop off the card to a PA. Um, yeah. So um, what were we just saying? No, we're talking about sponsorships. Yeah, so his channel has over 500,000 subscribers, which is, like, monster. Like, you know, the YouTube gives, like, two kind of awards, like one for 100,000 and one for a million. So he's on his way to a million. He has a monster channel. Like he lives off that channel. Like he produces awesome content and he turns it around in really great time. And he still doesn't have a sponsor on his channel. So in that, I've kind of lessened my expectations to realize how hard that actually is. Um, but I think if you build up the fan base, you could do You have a control and you have opportunities to do a lot of stuff yourself. Like, whether it's selling merch or um, products or anything like that, if you get the fan base, then you have a lot of moves that you could potentially make. It's just the first thing is getting that fan base, and they're not going to be fans unless you're actually doing content. So it's a tough game to play, but like, luckily I love it or I wouldn't do it because it's a long-haul game. But I understand that, and I'm okay with that. Right, so um, I would say – what motivates you to keep pushing, pushing on? It's just what I love to do. Like how many times have I shot with you for free? Yeah. Think about it. A thousand. Yeah. And I've done that for a lot of other people too, just because this is what I love to do. Now I don't do that. That's not what I do. I'm not saying here, just do everything for free. But like I have a, you know, humbly, I have a talent. I like to help people out that I know with that talent and I just enjoy it. So it's just like I'm one of those annoying people that likes his job. <laughs> and can you talk, can you talk about <laughs> what's the future for Fresh Focus? Where do you think it's going to go with the next future? Um, I'm going to keep pushing story-driven content, and I just hope the fan base keeps going. Um, even during this pandemic, I'm going to end up doing 10 episodes with a high school team. I did a 45-minute doc on – the Long Beach Poly team, which has Peyton Watson, which is the number one player in California. Anthony's pumping out content with high schools in Jersey all the time. He just released something today on Roselle Catholic, who's one of the powerhouses. So, like, you know, there's eyes on high school basketball. And if we keep on doing that content where we're bringing skills from the NBA to that world, I don't see how it's not going to pay off. And then um, – you know, our, our relationships with athletes keeps growing too. Like 
you know, it's not like we're trying to pick a horse and attach him to it, but the more people you film with, the bigger they become, you know, like there's, a, I follow a fighter now just cause he, I'm friends with him. He's six to no. What if he becomes 30, you know, and he becomes, you know, the next Manny Pacquiao. It's like, he might not, but I'm just saying like, that's kind of the thing you're playing. You know, your content might pop off without ever knowing what's going to pop off. Um, I would have never thought 12 years ago, the blackout would still be giving me revenue. And what's great is all the comments on there are like, this should be on Netflix. This is too good for YouTube. It should be on Hulu. I'm telling you, go check some of the comments, man. Make you feel good. But that doc is legit good because it didn't matter what we shot it on. We could have shot it on a camcorder. It's just a dope story. No, it's a dope story, but we also told we also laid it out. And we did it good. Imagine if we did it now, you know what I'm saying? Like well, if we did people would laugh at how we did those interviews. It would make a project manager's head explode. Edgar would call me and be like, yo, Kareem reads at 119th and second half. You think you could get there? I'd be like, All right, let's go. Hey, Booch, you could film today? And we would go just roll up on people at all these parks throughout Harlem, the Bronx. It didn't matter where. You had a, a summer ball going, and you had um, <clears throat> you had one of the girls working for you ask LeBron after a post game. Yeah. We got a LeBron bite in there. Like, you know, we were hustling for sound bites in there. Um, Edgar would go to media days at New York and just like <laughs> pop in the mic. <laughs> Hey, Melo, talk about Rucker. And then we, like, use that bite, like, yo, like, that was grimy how that doc got made. Yeah, we, we definitely, gra we, it was definitely grassroots filming. Grassroots. <laughs> grassroots and just doing it, no one helping us, just learning how to do it ourselves. Yeah, but I, I'm actually, like, even now, like, sometimes this the part of me wish we could have did it the right way, but it's also, I'm glad that we did it just... Because it just showed. Man, if we would have got the J, if we would have got the J interview, forget it. That doc would have been. Yeah, no nah, fact, no nah, fact. But you know, like I said, like so the goal, you know, is the fresh focus. Like as far as building a, you know, a film. Like, do you see it happening in the next couple of years, or do you a just film in what, like a narrative, or like yeah, a narrative, or just more documentaries? Definitely documentaries. I would have never said yes to the narrative question like five years ago, but I think it's a possibility. I think the way we'll, I'll slowly work my skills there is on documentaries that I do by doing recreations. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, say you wanted to tell a story about a basketball player, but you don't have footage of him from the seventies. You hire an actor for your documentary and now that footage is of him, right? Like a recreation. I think if I could keep practicing with that, which I have been, um, I think I could get the skills up to do a narrative. No, nah, that's dope. No, nah, Thanasis, is, you know, um, like I said, I've always been, you know, with family and I'm proud of you. Appreciate um, it. I think, I think you're going to go far in this game, you know, <laughs> and, you know, we're still going to drive. you right there with me, buddy. We're still going to drive each other crazy. I, I just want to say, yo, thanks for giving me, you know, some of your time because I know you're out in Vegas and you got to do some shooting. Yes, sir. Uh, we start back up with the show Embedded tomorrow. Check it out. If you like, if you're happen to be watching this because of you want to be in documentaries, there's no better show to watch to learn. Embedded, and UFC Embedded.
And how can people like follow you on Gram or Twitter? Um, um, this right here, the ooh, how do I do that? Fresh, that yeah, Fresh Focus, Focus Sports is uh, that's the brand. Fresh Focus Sports. Follow that for all of our content and our YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash Fresh Focus Sports. And then me personally is Tnas04. T N A S zero four. Appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you, man. How's that weather in New York? Cold. 